Hello and welcome to Journeying Through Scripture podcast. I'm your host, Charles Hegwood, and today we're going to continue our journey through the book of Acts in chapter 15, where we're going to deal with the idea of division and dispute. We have our early church with a both division and a dispute, and what it's going to be about is over the inclusion of Gentiles. Now, they've already included Gentiles, if you remember earlier in the book of Acts, but the issue here would be, how do we include them? Do we include them and make them do all the rules that we have followed all our lives, or do we let them in in a different way? And so, and, and if that sounds kind of vague, just hang in there. It'll all be explained later and in more clarity. So the young church faces a real bout with division. This is, this is a very serious problem. Division is real, perhaps inevitable, but it's always, almost always, the product of sin. Whether it's believers casting doubt on salvation, like we're going to talk about today, or it's Paul and Barnabas splitting up, well, which we're not going to talk about today, uh, even though it is in this chapter, but again, there's so much that happens here. We're going to focus just on the first part of this chapter, but we have Paul and Barnabas splitting up over a disagreement of taking John Mark, uh, which is a fascinating story. Maybe, if I have time, I'll try to do a bonus episode on that because it's, a, it's, it's really neat, and it's, I think, important to understand but division happens at the church level, even at a leadership level, and on a personal level. A correct view of God, however, will always lead us to see what divides us, and it is God and our correct view of God who, that will mend us. A proper view of God mends division and broken relationships. So let's look at these divisions, let's look at why they happened, and let's look at how God worked through them, specifically what happens here in the first part of Acts chapter 15. So it begins with some men came down from Judea and began to teach the brothers. That would be probably in Antioch where we find Paul and Barnabas. And what are they teaching? So these guys come down probably from the Jerusalem church, or the area where the Jerusalem church is, and they're teaching something that we're going to automatically from the context pick up something's not right so you're going to say unless you are circumcised according to the custom prescribed by Moses you cannot be saved and so right off the bat we see that salvation hangs in the balance here this isn't just a small division and divisions rarely are small because they are almost always indicative of deeper problems so they come in and they're teaching rituals you know, we, we have to do these things, but here's the problem. If you don't, you cannot be saved. It's an improper view of God. It's an improper view of salvation that is on the line here. So how do guys like Paul and Barnabas as leaders in the church in Antioch handle this division? Well, verse number two, after Paul and Barnabas had engaged them in serious argument. Now, something to be clear about we don't need to engage in arguments over every little disagreement or different viewpoint so in one end I'm, I'm not arguing that we should argue over everything and maybe you want to argue with me over that uh, that's that's your prerogative uh, 
here's the thing. Paul and Barnabas engage them in a serious argument because the argument is serious. I do not think a lot of the disagreements and a lot of the divisions within our churches match this. If you were having a knockdown, drag out argument and division and church splitting moment over the color of the carpet or the placement of a hat rack, and by the way, those are all very real examples. Those are not serious arguments. Those are not what we're talking about here. If you're having those problems, you do have a sin problem. And again, like I said, it's always indicative of a deeper problem. So if you're going to split the church over the color of the carpet, I'm just going to say the people that are arguing have problems with sin that go deeper than the color of the carpet. And and those are the issues that that as a pastor you would need to deal with. You need to deal with the the sin that is in the heart of the people that are so angry that the carpet color is being changed or that are so adamant that it be changed. You, You need to deal with that issue, the heart issue, not the carpet itself or not the placement of the hat rack. Those are not serious arguments. But here we find a serious theological argument we have all these Gentiles coming into the faith, and they're coming, and they're, these guys, and they're teaching, you need to take on all the rituals of the Old Testament in order to be saved. Otherwise, you're not truly saved. Well, we've already seen from Acts, the Holy Spirit descended on Cornelius, and later in the chapter, Peter references back to that. They've been filled with the Holy Spirit. The believers in Samaria were filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's not an issue of of God is not filling them with the Holy Spirit. He is. So where where are they coming from? What they are wanting to, and and how Paul and Barnabas are going to argue it is you're casting on, you're throwing on chains, you're throwing on weight and a yoke on the Gentile believers that we don't need to put on them. And in fact, we'll find that even from the, the Jewish believers, you're free from a lot of those laws on what you can eat. Jesus talked about this. But we found in earlier in Acts, Peter in chapter 10 struggles with this idea of of the, the ritually clean food because when God sends that big blanket of food, he says, I I won't kill and eat, God. I, I don't eat things that are unclean. Now, of course, that was about more than clean food and unclean food, and I I argued that in that episode. But it it shows that Peter had that conflict within him of of keeping those rituals. And so here is a serious argument, and Paul and Barnabas engaged these people, these men from Judea, in a serious argument and a debate. So Paul and Barnabas, continuing in verse 2, and some of the others were appointed to go up to the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem about the issue. So it gets so serious and the debate is so intense that they appoint people, Paul and Barnabas being among them, to go to Jerusalem and to deal with this. The Jerusalem church had all the apostles and and these are the leaders of the church as a whole. And they're going to go to them and they want to discuss this because it's that important. So again, this is a this is a theological issue. This is a salvific, that's a fun word for you, a salvation issue that must be resolved. And so in verse 3, when they had sent on their way by the church, again, this is not, these guys didn't just go by themselves. So don't self-appoint yourself to, 
to an important position because you think the argument's that serious. No, they go by the authority and the sending of the church. Again, that's not a small detail Luke records. That's a big detail. They were sent on their way by the church to deal with this problem. They passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, and they described in detail to these people the conversion of the Gentiles. And this is what it did. It brought great joy to all the brothers and sisters. You see, salvation of all nations should bring great joy. It should not bring a grumpy countenance. It should not bring, well, wait a minute, are they are they circumcised? Wait a minute, are they observing the food laws? Wait a minute, are they are they dancing? I threw that in there because Baptists had long had a thing about you don't dance. It causes great joy. Salvation should always bring up great joy when we hear about people coming to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. It's a good thing. And when they arrive at Jerusalem, they were welcomed, verse 4, by all the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all that God had done with them. And again, I want to point out that with them, God was working through them and with them, and they were seeing a harvest because God was with them. And I also want to point out they had to share all these things because Peter and, and the apostles and the Jerusalem church didn't know about the first missionary journey. They didn't have Facebook or email back then. There was no phone calls. You couldn't just pick up a phone and say, hey, this is uh, Paul and Barnabas. They're on this mission. No, I mean, they didn't hear about all these things. And so this was great, a great time to share. This is what God is doing. This is what we saw God do as we went to these places. This is how we saw him move. It's a very neat moment where they're reporting all of these things. And you would think that the reaction would be the same as we saw earlier. It would bring great joy. But in verse 5, we have the word but. And when we see the word but in Scripture, it should call our attention that something is going to be contrasted. And here we go. Some of the believers, this would probably be some of the men we met in verse 1, who belonged to the party of the Pharisees, stood up and said. Now, these are Pharisees that had become believers. These would be Messianic Jewish Pharisees. They cut their teeth on the Old Testament in a very, really legalistic system where the rules were very important. The application of the law was very important. They're having trouble letting go, even as believers, even as followers of Jesus. And we want to reiterate that when you are a follower of Jesus, that you have been set free from your past. And we see them struggling with that freedom here. So they bring up the point, it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them, that would be them being the Gentiles, to keep the law of Moses. Well, again, so we, we see that the people we met in verse 1 were undoubtedly from the Pharisaic school who were believers and who they were trying to teach that, that you need to be bound by the Old Testament law in order to be saved. That would be circumcised. That would be the cleanliness laws. That would be the food laws and everything else. Now, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, okay, we've been set free from the Old Testament. Well, that's not what I'm saying. We've been set free from the law of Moses. That's not what's really being said here. The law of Moses is not to be thrown out. And we'll see that they do not throw it out either. One of the things that we have an issue with is what do we do with grace? And freedom, and we see that grace is on the line. That's going to become one of the main debates within the Jerusalem Council, captured in chapter 15. 
when you're telling Gentiles they must be circumcised, that you are negating the grace of God. And so we have to think, how do we read that? How do we understand that within context? We, we understand that within our context of what are we adding to Scripture? What are we adding to our salvation? And Paul talks about this in many other places. How, do we, how are we adding to our salvation things that are not native to it, meaning things that are extra? We're, we're adding on to, trying, like almost trying to be more saved. Or, or maybe our underst- where is our understanding of the grace of God lacking? Because these guys that are arguing in the council here that you need extra rules, that you need to continue these rules from, from Moses, and again, that's not the moral laws, but the cultural laws, that they, didn't, they were lacking in what it means to be saved because they're still almost thinking it's the circumcision that saves you. And they, it, it comes from a, under, a misunderstanding of who God is. So where in our lives are we misunderstanding who God is? Because we do this. We add to it. And it may be even ways that we don't think. So take some time and pray and ask God, what have I added on? What am I trying to do in order to earn my salvation on top of your grace? And what am I trying to apply to others to do as well? And, and take some time and that can be a hard thing because God can show you some stuff that you weren't ready to see uh, that, that you're doing that you're thinking that you're pushing on others that maybe maybe you didn't even you weren't even aware of take some time and pray for that but as we conclude really quickly let's look at how God resolves this well one he resolves it with saying in verse 29 as they write this letter it's a beautiful letter written by Peter to the Gentiles, they come to an agreement, and the agreement is you do not need to be circumcised. You, you do not need to hold these things well. Uh, you do not need to be circumcised. And in verse 24, it says, Since we have heard that some, without our authorization, for one thing he says, these guys weren't sent out by us, uh, it troubled you with their words and unsettled your hearts. We have unanimously decided to select men to send them to you along with our dearly beloved Barnabas and Paul, who have risked their lives in the name of the Lord Jesus. Therefore, we have sent Judas and Silas as well, who will personally report the same things by the word of mouth. For it is the Holy Spirit's decision and ours, he puts God involved in this, not to place further burdens on you besides these requirements. Here's the requirements, and these are from the Bible, that you abstain from food offered to idols, idol worship, and from blood and eating anything that has been strangled, and from sexual immorality, that you will do well if you keep yourselves from these things. This is not cheap grace. How does God resolve this? It's not with cheap grace. It's with the grace of God. It's with still keeping with the Old Testament moral code. But he does it through understanding deeper of who God is, understanding his word. So if you're having these divisions over theology, dig into the word of God. If you're having a division or you're having an issue where you think that person can't be saved because they do this, this, and this, dig into the word of God. You might be right, but you might be wrong. Dig into the word of God. Work with God. Be with God. Study with God. Be filled by God. 
And then we see that as they conclude and they come together, they do it through the decision that is through the power of the Holy Spirit and theirs. And they decide not to place more burdens on, not to shackle them down, but they instead say, these things you need to abstain from. Take heart in that. And when they receive it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. So the end result of this argument, this disagreement and division, is rejoicing in who God is. And I want to say that's hopefully how divisions will end. They don't always. We saw Paul and Barnabas, they split and get new people go their own ways. So I I wish I had time to explore that. I don't today, maybe in another episode. But I want to thank you for listening. I'm sorry this one was a little longer, but again, I want to be clear, and I probably could have gone on for another 30, 40 minutes to make it more clear. Uh, But these are important things that we understand that when we have divisions and disagreements, a lot of it comes down to sin in our life. A lot of it comes down to a misunderstanding of who God is. And to resolve that, we need to understand deeper who God is revealed through his word and working with God on those things. So in your life, seek God, dig into his word, pray that the Holy Spirit would guide you in your divisions, in your disputes, in your disagreements, that at the end, the end result would be rejoicement and furtherance of the gospel. And I want to point out, just as this has been a theme throughout Acts, the gospel is not slowed down or thwarted even by division and disagreement. God marches on. I'd like to thank you for listening to Journeying Through Scripture, and I look forward to hearing from you and seeing you again in Acts chapter 16. I'll see you there.